Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back to the show. As we continue on, as we mentioned earlier, no Miami-Vermont basketball for you tomorrow because uh, Vermont couldn't make it. So Miami will play Notre Dame on Friday. Irish playing uh, a game before that. They'll play Jacksonville. That's uh, just underway. Dallin Cup is joining us from the ACC Network, so we'll talk about the ACC. Dallin, uh, thanks for being with us. Happy holidays. Hope you had a great Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you guys. Uh, good to be on with you. Um, I found out I wasn't, there was going to be no game this morning once I landed. So I'm about <laughs> to have a good couple days in Miami. So it's vacation yeah. happened all of a sudden. Yeah, how about that? Um, well, let's uh, let's start with basketball. Miami's off to a three and zero start inside the ACC, twelve and one overall, fourteenth in the country. What what are your thoughts on what you've seen from the University of Miami basketball program? I mean, overall, it's a team that's uh, capable of a lot of a lot of it's capable of a lot of things, no doubt about it. I think this team is just a little bit different than it was last year, in the fact that it's even smaller, which is kind of strange. Um, but North Shadow Mir coming in and transferring it was a help change the program. He plays way bigger than six seven. Uh, Jordan Miller's a big time matchup problem. And overall, I mean, this team is—I'm not saying they're going to be a Final Four team. Uh, nobody thought they were going to be an eight team last year. But they're a team that I think they're going to contend in the ACC to the very end. If they're consistent, they know what they're about. They know their weaknesses and how to try to uh, offset some of those things. And I think this is this league being that it's not that experience with some of their better teams. You know, Duke being one. Uh, UVA and UNC have a lot of experience, but I think everybody's got a, little, a couple flaws, and I think that I think Miami's going to be in the long haul. I think this team can win the ACC regular season and could be, you know, a pretty pretty solid high seed in the tournament and see what goes from there. Uh, we have not seen, obviously, we have not seen Miami, uh, Duke, and Carolina just yet. We'll get plenty of them in in the new year, uh, but Isaiah Wong, I I don't know if there are many players in the league that are better than Isaiah Wong right now. Yeah, I don't think there are. <laughs> he's a, he's a first-team all-league player without a doubt. I think his ability to facilitate has made him even more um, exceptional this year. And, I mean, we know his, his ability to get to the basket is, is far none in the country, guys. I mean, I cover teams all over the country. You watch a lot of different films. He gets to the spots he wants when he wants. Um, and his ability to facilitate has, has, has kind of changed his game to even another level. I think it's what, four straight games, 20-plus points. And yep. the other game was 24 six rebounds, five assists, I believe. And like that kind of stat line is not that abnormal for him, which is kind of crazy. That's how good he is. And he's kind of a testament to what you do, what you can do in college basketball still. You stay, you continue to work on your body has changed over the years, his game has changed over the years. And uh, he has a shot of being, you know, he's going to get paid whether in Europe or maybe maybe in the league. You know, he'll have a chance. Um, especially if he can consistently make a three, which he hasn't, that's, that's the other 
the next frontier for him. If he's consistently knocking down a three, that truly changes his value as it relates to the NBA. But overall, he's an outstanding college basketball player, and he's going to make money playing this game somewhere professionally. I just had this conversation with Coach L, and so I'll get your thoughts on it. Uh, a guy like Wong comes back. Is he not a great example or a very good example for uh, to some other guys that want to leap early? That if you do come back, get really good coaching and work on some of the weaknesses maybe that the league perceived, uh, coming back can be very beneficial. Oh, no doubt. I mean, guys, getting in the league is one thing. The problem is staying in the league. Damn. And this is, it is really hard to, to get there and stay there. So if you come out early because they love potential and they like the fact that you're 20, but you can't get to your second contract, that was all for nothing. You know, I think that's, I think that's the, the one good benefit, not one, but the, what NIL was put in place to do was to give people an option to maximize their value in school. But as relates to basketball, which has this huge millions of dollars in front of you, you may not be there, but you may, not, you may still have the opportunity to make money and earn, earn money while you may be the most valuable in your career, in this four-year four year window, get your degree, let's not poo-poo that, and then be able to go and test the NBA waters um, while maximizing you know, some dollars while you're in school. I think that's – you've seen that right now in college basketball across the country. It's particularly a lot of bigs, you know, whether it's Drew Timmy or Oscar Shibway or you can go to Hunter Dickinson, Armando Baycott. All these guys came back because they have an opportunity to make a lot of money, and that, they don't fit in the NBA in the modern NBA. Uh, Isaiah does fit in the modern NBA if he can make a three, but there is a – there is value in staying in school, both monetarily now and educationally and developmentally. And I think the more people see that, um, there'll be more of these cases where you'll see guys stay maybe longer than they would have two or three years ago. It benefits the kid, it benefits the product, and it benefits the school. It's funny that you mentioned uh, staying in the league is the hard part. I could probably go to almost any roster in college basketball and go to the bottom guy, the last guy in the roster, and maybe you could explain this to our listeners, but just about every kid in college thinks he's going to play in the NBA. Alongside staying there, they think they're going to play there. Yeah, this is a funny, this is a, a stat that Rick Barnes gave me a couple of years ago. And I'll ask you guys, let's, let's put this on the air here. In the 75 plus years now of the NBA, how many guys do you think have actually laced up and put their feet on a floor in a regular season NBA game? Give me a number. How many do you think? How many? In 75 years, uh, 2,500. Okay. Uh, I went higher than that. 5,000. I definitely went higher than that. <laughs> How many did you say? Uh, 5,000. It's got to be more than that. 10,000? No, that's I mean. I, I think I went 10 just because of the longevity of the league. You assume it's got to be that, but you were actually low in the beginning. It's 4,500 in 75 <laughs> plus years now. 4,500 so guys like played in the is, NBA? Have played a game, put shoes on, and put their feet on a court in the NBA. That was actually Kim English's stat, who's now the coach of George Mason. Was an assistant in Burke Barnes. I'm sitting in the locker room talking to them before. I think they were playing Mississippi State a couple years ago. I've told the story many times because it, it was so shocking to me that that number was so low. It is so hard to make it in this league. It's hard not to be a Division One player. That's like point. That's like one point one percent of all kids that play high school basketball, and that might be high. And then if you're a Division One player, to get to the NBA, it's like point zero like zero four percent that can get there and stay there for their second contract. It, it is such a low minuscule number that can actually make it. And even just playing one game. So I think, you know, there's been a number of developments over the last couple of years. I mentioned NIL, where there was also in recent years where you had the ability to put your name in the draft, go through the combine, go through that kind of, you know, overview and that feedback. That helps guys as well. Cause a lot of guys come back and they have a better understanding of what the NBA wants out of them or needs out of them to get in that league and then maybe stay in that league. 
So there have been developments to help try to keep guys here. But really, NIL is the biggest one that's going to make, make sure the guys have a monetary incentive. And I think as you see over the next couple of years, you see the guys progressing and maybe getting a look in the league and getting a chance to stay. I mean, Desmond Bain's a good example. Like, you can go through examples of guys that weren't you know, all Americans, but they fit the modern NBA, they stayed and worked on their game, and they have one elite skill. To get in the league, you have to have one truly elite skill that you can hang your hat on. If you have one of those, then you get the job. Holy Moses, 4,500. I'm still blown away by that. That's incredible. Wow. Um, before we uh, continue on in our, in our interview here, uh, you are across a lot of different platforms. Tell our audience where they can see you, or see you or hear you. I see you on the ACC Network. I hear you on Sirius Satellite Radio. Uh, you have a little gambling portion. You, you like the numbers a little bit on the side as well. Talk about that a little bit. But uh, where, where can everybody find you? Yeah, fortunately, I guess to get to the curse, I can be in a lot of different places, uh, and I have a bit of a, get a, I wouldn't call myself a degenerate, but I have a, I would say I'm interested in numbers. <laughs> yes, I like to, like to play the games of chance, if you will. Um, never run a game that I'm calling. Never, that, 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 that's crossing the line there. But, um, yeah, I'll be on, you know, daily wager as we especially get into January in the basketball season a couple times a week. That's on the ESPN2, ACC Radio, uh, and ESPNU Radio on the serious platforms, uh, ESPN, ACC Network Games, just kind of, I go wherever they put me. So, uh, unfortunate that you know, I'm a full-time employee, and they take full advantage of that, and I enjoy it too. But I'll, I'll go wherever they tell me. Yeah, you're you're a rising star in this business. Um, you uh, went to Columbia, so you have you you know the value of education, playing it playing college athletics. You went to Columbia. You mentioned NIL before. Uh, what are your thoughts on where we are uh, with NIL in college athletics? I really don't know where we are. Yeah, it's a big question because I think as it relates to, you know, getting guys into the transfer portal and, like, recruiting inducements, that's not what it's designed for. And that's, I, I, I don't like that like everybody else. I want, I want the kids to, to monetarily benefit, but at the, at the expense sometimes of the universities, at the expense sometimes of their fellow teammates, um, I think there's such an obsession with now with, build, especially, especially football, building the collectives for recruiting. I think this is an interesting thing in a couple of years. Okay, you get the guys here. But the guys that are already here have to get paid, too. So how does that work out? Like, how does that? And then we, I mean, I've heard countless stories. I've heard of, you know, the different payments to stabilizing locker rooms. Now, I was always a proponent of, hey, there's an equity in the locker room when I was there and before I was there, whether that's how much money you come from, playing time, attention from your, the significant others in your world. Like, all that stuff factors into a locker room. The coaches have to sift through that thing. NIL is another piece of it that I thought they were going to sift through. I did not anticipate the collectives coming. I did not see that being the path. I thought there would be more of a real, you know, quid pro quo. You come and represent my company, my business, my interests. I will pay you for that. I'll pay you for your name, name, you like this. We'll mutually benefit. And there'll be, there'll be these test cases where, you know, you'll have a million dollars thrown in them from some Chevy dealership in Lexington, Kentucky, and that kid won't perform. And they'll run over a couple of years. Okay, is this really returning anything on our investment? Let's, let's course correct I'm an idiot. I underestimated how much donors just want to win and do not care about their money and how much wealth is really invested in some of these things. So with that said, where we're at is kind of the wild, wild west, and I don't see much changing, unfortunately, because where we're at, you don't have federal legislation. That's not coming. There's literally no, there's no body in, our, in, the, in, the, in America that is more dysfunctional than our federal Congress. And I say that on both sides. It is complete debacle. So for them to come and bail people out, that ain't happening. Bail the NCAA out. 
the NCAA's lack of leadership put us in this position. Because they could have done this with Congress about 10 years ago. There were senators and Congress people that wanted to figure this thing out to their own interests in some big states, California, Florida, Texas, that would have been good political wins, but also would have made sense for the kids, for the university, for everybody. For the NCAA, the NCAA has made itself obsolete because of lack of leadership. So where we're at right now is they, they remain neutered, if you will. Federal Congress isn't going to bail us out. This is it, guys, for the foreseeable future. I don't really see I don't. I, I don't see how it changes unless in years to come there's like a push from us, from both sides of Congress, a president, I don't know, to get us done because it's not going to change on its own, of course. And right now, we're, even the market itself has proven that they'll just, the, the, the market is telling us there is no bottom. There is no dollar that will not be spent. But I'm interested to see how the existing players get compensated, how the kids that are recruited under this platform, if they don't make their money or they don't play and they transfer again, how that works out, how many kids lose their scholarships you can't, when, they, when they transfer or looking for more money. If you transfer, you can't get another spot with the same amount of, the same amount of scholarship or across whatever sport, the, the opportunities lost, the educational opportunities lost. So there's, there's a good and a bad with all this stuff. Um, and I do think we're going to see a lot of the good, but a lot of the bad in the coming years. I'm not so sure, although I don't know how this would play out for the for the smaller schools, but I'm not so sure, uh, th- this would be my own opinion, I'm probably crazy, that uh, five years, I don't know, ten years, contracts are become part of the deal. Maybe they don't even go to school. No one talks about education, so maybe they don't go to school. Maybe the NIL becomes, we've just signed you a quarterback, we've just signed you to a three-year contract, you wear the University of Miami jersey. And so we've got you here. You're representing our school. I kind of think it might go in that direction. Well, no, I do. I mean, I do think what, you know, from the more broader landscape of things, that's probably where we're going to end up. I was there for my answer for focusing more on NIL specifically, but as it relates to just the you know labor and, and the and the universities, that's where we're going to go. I think. Yeah, I think that starts with football. I'm not sure if it's tenable with other sports uh, outside of maybe basketball and women's basketball, men's basketball, maybe. Um, and then on, on most of the high, like power five could do it, power six, I guess, the big six in, in basketball could do it. Um, but football is going to dictate that. I think the SEC and the Big Ten are probably going to move to do that first. Um, Chris Patola, who I work with the ACC Network on the, on the serious uh, side of things, uh, his show, ACC Today, which is you can catch at 8 to 11 every morning. I'll be on that tomorrow morning. Um, he, uh, he makes the point the ACC is probably leading this. Probably the first conference to say we're going to pay people. And I, I, try, I struggle to argue with them because it's going to happen. And if the ACC is a competitive disadvantage right now because the amount of money that they're going to have, which they are, when you look at the money they pay out per school, is about you know just high 30 millions right now. The new SEC deal is going to get it in around the 70 million. The new Big Ten deal is going to be at 70, 80 million dollars per year per school. Um, even the new Big 12 deal is probably going to be more than the ACC can pay out. The ACC is coming to the close of 2036. You are an, you're at an economic disadvantage. So how do you? Regulate that, of course, correct that. Maybe you put your first one, first one in the toe. Maybe your first, first one, put your toe in the pool because it's going to happen. Um, and I do think it's likely the SEC they have the most money, and it becomes almost untenable when you're making that much money as a school to then still kind of limit what the kid can and cannot earn, or what you're willing to give to get the best players there. And I think as this, as the playoff expands too, there'll be more monetary incentive to get more teams in the playoffs. There'll be a league-wide incentive to pay your players. And that's probably where we're heading. And you're right. We're looking at contracts, two years, three years. I don't know how that works with labor law. I, and now bear in mind, guys, I wouldn't have wanted that. Because as a mid-major player, I'm not – there's not enough value for me to then give up all the others. Because all, all the gear you get, all the flights, all that, like you're now an employee. So are they doing expense reports for all this stuff? 
There's just so many questions that get opened up. Whereas a player, you get all your gear, all your shoes, five-star meals, five-star flight, you know, private flight, five-star hotels. Everything's all covered. You don't worry about anything. You get every meal paid for when you're on campus now. It's a good deal. It has become a much better deal than it was even five years ago. And if you're a mid-major guy, if you don't have all the upside and all the earning potential, and if you're in the America East, the Ivy League, what are they really offering you monetarily? But now you have to be an employee for all this other stuff. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, but it makes sense for the big, big boys. I don't know about the rest. I don't know how that all, you know, trickles down. So there's just like a, there are a million questions. And you're right. That is where we're probably going to end up in five or ten years. There's just it literally opens Pandora's box. And I'm never scared of change or evolving or adapting. It'll all be figured out. But there's just a lot of big questions. And I think the players themselves may look back and be like, maybe this wasn't the best move for all of us. Maybe for a small percentage of us. But all of us? And uh, that's, that's going to be a big question. And the universities, too. I don't think it's best for them either outside of a, a select few conferences. Yeah, I think it's uh, – <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm afraid to say that they're, they are – well, we're going to raise a, a society of uh, mercenaries um, because these kids are – they're jumping and they're, they're, they're learning to jump, you know, in the, when, when they're in the peewee and travel leagues. Then it goes to high school and now at the college level – uh, they're jumping for a variety of reasons. Primarily, it's going to be money. Um, the, the ACC mentioned the There's ACC. A, one, point, one point to make on that, I think that you you, put, you touched on something real interesting there because that is it has become ingrained in a lot of these kids. And I don't like to always be, you know, get off my lawn, older guy, whenever my day. Yeah. But yeah, we just tend to stick things out longer. That was just how things were. That was how we were taught in sports. You got to grind it out, and find your spot, and, and if you transfer, if it doesn't work out, there's a huge. You know, there's an issue. It's not the right fit. That's fine. Nobody faults you for that. It's just the, the impetus for leaving. The bar seems much lower now. And I think you see it with coaches. The term I heard a number of times is these relationships, particularly in college, when you're away from home and they're like, this is your family, essentially. Those relationships are transformational. Change your life. Change your perspective. Change your friends. Change all these things. These relationships are now transactional. And that is fundamentally different. And that's why I think that's part of why Roy Williams left earlier than they probably would have. That's why Jay Wright left on some level, because the whole game has changed. And do you really want to mess in this play in this game when it's so different and the relationships you're building are so different than it used to be? Yep. Uh, you mentioned the playoff going to 12 teams. The ACC, under Commissioner Phillips, he wants, you know, he, he's trying to shift some of the attention, well, really a lot of it, to football, trying to make it a more football uh, mm-hmm. Conference and you have to listen. Clemson figured it out a couple, of, you know, ten years ago, whatever it was. I think Clemson probably said, "Hey, we, we can't we can't beat Duke and uh, Duke and Carolina in basketball, but we can probably do some damage here in football if we do it the right way." And that's where their investment went. Uh, how does the ACC as a conference? What's the best hope of catching up to the SEC and Big Ten? Oof. Uh, catching up, I, you just want to remain relevant. That's really where the bar is, in my mind, in all honesty. And I, I said this before last season, and the concern is only growing. Uh, the difference is now the, the expansion of the playoffs here in a year or two, or I guess two years now, will we'll change this concern. But I was worried about them, the ACC going on all on the lines of the Pac-12. Oregon used to be the banner, the carry the banner for them. Oregon was in the first ever CFP, uh, but they hadn't been back for six years. Now six years. And they haven't had a Pac-12 representative since then. And when you don't have somebody carrying the flag for you, and you regress down to the rest of the group, you become irrelevant. But the Pac-12 has been nationally relevant for the last couple of years, until this year again. Obviously, USC on that 
Pac-12 championship night. They lost at Utah, but that was relevant. And everybody was watching it, and everybody was talking about it because it impacted everybody else. But it had been years since they'd actually had been a factor. Well, the ACC again, two seasons ago now, Clemson had regressed to everybody else. The conference wasn't a factor. As soon as Clemson lost that game this year, the conference went out the window in terms of relevance to the country. So to catch up to the SEC or Big 12, I have a Big 10. I don't know how likely that is, again, with the resources gaps. To be relevant is really the goal. And I think Clemson can do that. They're, on the, they're, they're still relatively there. The reason, the difference of this, this year versus last year is Florida State started to push toward Clemson instead of Clemson coming back. Miami has to push towards Clemson. Like this next year for them, great. Recruiting class, great. You can't be 5-7 and seven again. No. Flat out. Like the league needs you. College football wants Miami to be good. Like they have to be good, and they have to they have to continue to recruit at a high level, but then put a product on the field that actually turns out fans in the stands. Most importantly, wins in the wins in the wins in the win column, fans in the stands, and enthusiasm and, and national media attention again. It's positive, not negative. That's good for the country. It's good for the conference, and that grows its relevance. Those two programs, in particular, along with Clemson, and then in Virginia Tech could get back there in years to come. That'd be helpful as, as historic brands, but particularly Florida State, Miami. Those are guys. Guys, I grew up in Pittsburgh. And we weren't a, we were a basketball family. My parents went to Duquesne. We didn't even have a basketball or football team when I was there. But the games that I watched were Florida State Miami, were Florida State Florida. Was my like those the Miami teams I grew up in. I grew up born '83. I grew up watching those '80s Hurricane teams, and that's like that was college football to me. And that's the kind of difference now. It's like if you can't if you can't trans like they used to transcend their region and trans, and be a national program. They have to get back to that, and they also impact the conference doing that. That's, that's how you become relevant again. I don't think you're catching the SEC or Big Ten, but can you be relevant year in and year out? That's the goal. And if those two other programs get there, then you have a real shot. Yeah. Well, they had a pretty good recruiting class, uh, at least by the rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer to wait to see what they all look like once they put the pads and helmet on. But uh, on paper, well, it was a hell of a recruiting bigger, class. The bigger problem is if they stay there. The bigger issue now is when we saw the transfer portal. A&M and, and right. had this amazing class. Those guys yeah. are all gone, guys. They all, yeah. not all, 50% of them left. So now you can right. pay them to get there, but if they don't get what they want right away and you're out, what, I mean, it's brutal. Yeah, what are you doing in the field? That's all that really matters. That's why the transfer portal is, in my, my estimation, is maybe more important than your recruiting classes right now because at least they're going to come and probably can impact for a year or two. As a freshman, it's hard to impact at a really high level on really good teams. I had a, I told somebody today, and uh, our, our listeners here would know this, uh, my business partner and broadcast partner for many years was a former tight end from Michigan who played for the Miami Dolphins undefeated team, Jim Mandage, and he passed away several years ago, and the Mad Dog said, uh, said probably 10 years ago, it's all getting too big. They're going to rue the day uh, because it's getting too big. I'm not so sure that he wasn't right 10 years ago. I mean, it does seem that way. I mean, it's it's not like uh, was a big short too or too big to fail, like the banks and whatnot. Like it's it's not too big to fail, but it's too big. Is it going to be too big to actually service all the constituents effectively? Yeah, function. Um, and that's where, <laughs> yeah, that's where we're actually we're really seeing we're going to see here because it's guys in college football. It's already been the haves and have nots. It was already Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. You, I mean, you could name like seven or eight teams. There's only been ten teams to win a championship the last twenty years. You know, the amount of teams that played in the CFP was like, what's it, like 14 teams even play in a CFP playoff game in the last eight years. Like, their haves and have-nots were already clearly distinguished in college football. The expansion of the TSCFP may may close that gap a little bit. NAL may close that gap a little bit. But that gap's only getting bigger. And then in terms of how that affects the group of fives in football and then, like, Division One basketball, there's now 363 teams in college basketball. 
that is untenable. I, I don't know what to do with that. I do love the fact that anybody, it's the most, the most democratic sport we have because everybody has a chance theoretically to get in. Everybody can play their way into that tournament, which I do love that. That's why the country loves it. That's why you see the upsets and the St. Peter's and all this other stuff. And people love that stuff. But as, as football continues to drive everything we do from a revenue standpoint, Lord, Lord knows from a programming standpoint. I mean, look at today. Today was what, four straight bowl games in ESPN? Like that yeah. was just like bowl games and technically a lot of people don't, people don't care, quote unquote. But there's one to two million people watching those games every day. Do you know how often they're going to million plus watching a college basketball game right now? It ain't that often. So yeah. the, the consumers are telling us what, the, what they want, but also the programming lineup. It used to be ESPN would tell the populace, the sports banner told the populace what, was what they thought was important that you should pay attention to. Now it's social media with a tail wagging the dog. Social media tells ESPN what to play, and it's, it's a bad circle. And it's football, and that's it. Like, let's just focus on football. It's the easiest thing to do, whether it's NFL or college. And everything else goes by the wayside. And that's been very clear. So I don't know how, as we look at all those college basketball teams on the men's and women's side, how that becomes tenable or remains tenable when you continue to have this separation with football and football drives the train. So as we just said, like we, we move towards contracts and how that works in football, does that trickle down, has it affect Olympic sports, has it affect scholarships across the conference, across each school and university and, and, and conference? I don't know, but there's like, there are going to be many, many, many more questions. We are far from the uh, resolution of what's, what college, the future of college sports are going to look like because we are still in a midst of huge, huge change. All right, Dallin, you've been a great guest. Thank you for joining us. We, we appreciate it. We'll check out the show tomorrow. Spatola's got this Notre Dame game, and they're losing right now. So uh, hopefully he's in a good mood for you tomorrow morning on the show. Well, the best, the best part about doing our job, guys, is whoever loses and wins doesn't matter to us. Call a good game, have fun, have a drink afterwards, and let's, 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 let's have some laughs for three hours tomorrow morning. I'll definitely do that with my man. All right, very good. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. All right. Anytime, guys. Be well. All right. That's uh, – Dallin Cuff joining us from ESPN, ACC Network, Sirius XM Radio. Katie Meyer on the show coming up here momentarily. Uh, a couple of uh, news items uh, to mention when we come back here on the show right after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.